A very warm welcome to a brand new show, a lady from England. Her name is Bubba Kate Paris and she's going to be talking about what she's going through in college, discrimination against her skin colour and because of her race. Yes, she is white and like all many white people are being discriminated in their own countries. Us in Ireland have been discriminated for our Irishness. Um, against the new Irish, the so-called new Irish, who aren't actually Irish at all. So a very warm welcome, Bubba Kate, and you can tell us all about what's going on in your life, dying to hear about the college. You see, the college is actually moving forward into court, and I'm not sure what the rules are on civil prosecutions and whether I can... Because you can't prejudice a jury, can you, in a civil court? But um, I'm not sure what the rules are on, on you know speaking publicly about a case whilst it's live i'll be quite happy to speak about it once it's concluded because i'd like to set a presence of of white students um basically holding their universities to account if they discriminate against them based on race there are lots of universities in the uk at this point in time that are adhering to this critical race theory and they they don't understand that Directly discriminating against white people is still against the law under the Equalities Act, particularly in education. But we find that they're offering bursary schemes to black and ethnic minorities only. They're offering internships to black and ethnic minorities only. Training programs for black and ethnic minorities only. Support groups for black and ethnic minorities only. And then this whole celebration of Black Lives Matter, which is a political terrorist organisation, is just appalling. And I think that any white student should be standing up against this overt anti-white racism that is perpetuated by most of our universities and higher education establishments. It's appalling. So I will want to tackle that issue, but I would like to get a win under my belt first. It's something that's been concluded. Bring me back to when your big, as I say to everybody, your big wake-up Paul, a big wow moment that you realise that the left were completely insane and were pushing all their crazy agenda on you and if you didn't like it you were racist, fascist, homophobic, Islamic phobic, every type of phobic that they could throw on you and now the new name is the Holocaust denier for people who don't even deny the Holocaust. It just seems to be just bullying and screaming. So when was your big wake-up call when you kind of realised what the left were doing? I wouldn't say that I had one wake-up epiphany. I mean, I wasn't a highly political person uh, in my sort of youth, but um, I was directly affected by some of the policies that the left have pushed on our countries, the the effects of get to finish school. um, And as you can imagine, it caused some disruption. I worked minimum wage jobs in bars, and most of my friends were the forgotten, the unloved, the runaways, the ones that slip through the cracks that society doesn't care about. And it was seeing their pain and distress that actually got me into politics. And I thought it was a world that I didn't belong into, same as with business. And it was one morning after we'd been working all night, we'd gone round to our friends and people were talking quite depressively. And I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to infiltrate business. I'm going to infiltrate politics. And I'm going to take down the people that are making all our lives miserable. Um, And then when I started to actually investigate business, politics, economics, I became much more politically aware and realized that most of our problems were coming from one side of the political narrative, and that was the left-wing narrative. And funnily enough, I first became more political by watching Alex Jones 
um, on Infowars, and I came across um, a program where he had Nigel Farage on, and Nigel Farage was talking about the tyranny of the EU. Um, it was shortly after that that I decided to join the UK Independence Party, and this was back in 2014. From there, um, obviously, you become more aware of the geopolitical landscape and everything that's happening in the world, and I could see that not only was the EU obviously a massive threat to the sovereignty and security of the British people, but the UN was an even bigger globalist threat to us all. Um, and I think it's been a gradual realisation of just how bad the situation is, and not just here for us in England and Scotland and Ireland and Wales, and not just on the continent in Europe. This is a global problem that we're facing. It is a global tyranny that we're facing, and it is a global evil. So I would say it's a gradual realisation, but I've never been under the illusion that our governments are working in our interests. I've been very aware for quite some time that our police, our politicians, they don't care about you if you're a white indigenous citizen. I know that because the police refused to protect me when I was younger. I slipped through the cracks, nobody cares. Nobody cares now that there's lots of white girls that have been raped, attacked, sold into sexual slavery, and nobody cares because they're white and they're indigenous. They don't care that our police have perverted the course of justice. They don't care that our politicians have turned a blind eye. They refuse to release the grooming report, even though, well, under the guise of it uh, might cause racial tensions, but they'll allow the BBC and ITV and the media to perpetually print things that cause racial tensions as long as it's hatred towards white people with your Black Lives Mattering, your constant programming about how black people are oppressed in our country, but they won't talk about how, what is the true racial oppression that's going on in this world, and that is making all white indigenous peoples of Europe a vulnerable, persecuted minority in their homelands with the outlook of exterminating us completely from the face of the earth. What could be more racist than that? And that is what's got me to speak out so vocally now. I mean, when I was in UKIP, I couldn't speak so vocally on it. I did talk about white genocide whilst I was on the NEC and ended up in the newspapers. So um, I am aware uh, just, just how tyrannical things have become. And if anybody speaks out, they are instantly ostracized and demonized and they will have hit pieces written about them in the press. And as soon as your name's out there and they've labeled you as a racist or whatever other slur that they want to adhere to your name, they then demand that your livelihood should be taken away and that you should be excluded from being able to participate in all normal areas of society because you hold the wrong opinions. It is a massive problem that we face, but it's one that I think doesn't just hit you like a truck. I think it's a gradual realization. I think that people are starting to wake up on a, a larger basis. The majority are starting to wake up to the tyranny. However, uh, I don't know whether it's going to hit many people like a truck, a sudden realization, because, you know, all of a sudden they're going to realize that they don't have anything anymore. They don't have their rights. They don't own their homes. They, they have nothing in their bank accounts because all assets have been seized because our economy has been purposely destroyed through this economic terrorism under the guise of it being medically necessary for a pandemic that doesn't exist. I woke up through watching things about your country, and that's what woke me up. 
But I found, you know, people recently, I've talked to a few people who've woke up through the COVID and even people who've woken up, I've talked about before, through gardening. For me, it was watching your country and the Muslim gangs raping up to, they reckon, from 1 million to 3 million children and nothing being done. And I just couldn't believe that they were just turning a blind eye then to find out that it had been happening for about 30 to 40 years and they'd done nothing. And I couldn't believe, why would they do nothing for these children? And it's for all those reasons, because they were white and they were British. And I just thought, how shocking that, you know, these vulnerable children, and they were like, I'm watching them being laughed at in, the judge had basically turned around and called them prostitutes. And they were like young children. I'm like, how could they be prostitutes? They're children. So it was just the way that the British were treated, I think, really woke me up. And then woke me up to Islam. And then it kind of continued on to see how, like, the left really love Islam. Because a lot of them are paedophiles. There is a lot of paedophilia in the left. And they're quite disturbing characters. And they see this as a way to to hide out in. Because many, like you think of the head of Antifa in Ireland... He was caught with 7,000 pictures of children being raped and he was working in the Irish government at the time. People like Antifa and Black Lives Matter and various you know, left, left-wing activists that get caught, you know, having a disgusting interest in children or even engaging in paedophilia by looking at images or even trying to abuse kids. It's, it's not a surprising thing. But this particular one about him working in government and being the head of Antifa in Ireland... No, I hadn't heard that they'd they'd caught another Antifa nonce. But yeah, I think I think that there is a a pyramid of paedophilia in 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 Great Britain, um, and I believe that quite a lot of the people at the very top of our governance and top of our police forces and judiciary are involved in paedophilia, and it's one of the reasons why they allow these Muslim paedophile rapist gangs to operate, and why they're so lenient on your everyday you know sort of online groomer and family paedophile because whilst the public are so distracted with these sort of grassroots level paedophiles they never really look at the elitist ones at the top they rechange all these words for diversity which means just anti-irish or anti-white if you like our religion it's nothing to do with our heritage our culture it's all to do with theirs but yet it's called um diversity i'm like how could that be diversity when it's nothing to do with heritage Uh, i think it's quite surprising the tolerance in ireland for you know, the Islamic invasion, because I do see Ireland as sticking more to its Christian roots than than England has done. I mean, people are a lot more, they're more practicing, shall we say, because the Church of England has basically become some Marxist monstrosity that doesn't really represent Christianity at all. So nobody really follows the Church of England anymore. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a failing church. But considering that there have been wars between our peoples over land and religion when we are much more similar to each other than what is invading both our homelands it's quite surprising that there hasn't been a a a more forceful reaction um to this enforced islamification of of both our countries they they went have it they marketed oh you're racist you're this you're that now they did that again with ours but they infiltrated our group so all our government is left wing is left wing and it's very much run by america 
and its left-wing organisations. So, you know, you'd have bashing of Trump, anyone who's conservative. And it was almost like, get the Brits out of Ireland, but bring all Islamics in. They're like us, you know. And this was very much sold under this Palestine-Israel bullshit. You know, all the Irish wanted to get involved and, you know, all the Catholics were for for, um, Palestine and all the Protestants were for Israel. And because of that divide is very huge. And to me, it never made any sense. I was like, what's this got to do with Ireland? Like, why am I getting involved? I think the slow march through the institutions and the infiltration of government, of civil service, of media, of our education establishments, I think that's pretty much endemic throughout the whole of the Western world. Absolutely. Um, I, I don't think it's unique to the UK, Australia, the USA are facing the exact same yeah. um, strategies and tactics that we've been subjected oh. to. And you there isn't any choice in, in in Britain, to be fair. If we vote in our elections, we've got either Labour and Conservatives, and it's quite clear now that the Conservatives are nothing more than a Marxist Trojan horse. They're two sides of the same Marxist coin. Mm-hmm. And under a first-past-the-post system, no matter who we vote for, we're going to end up with people that are left-wing. Yeah. I mean, if I'd wanted destruction of our economy, if I'd have wanted all of our rights taken away, but I wanted British people locked in their houses while our government ferries over hundreds of thousands of foreign, hostile, fighting-age men from sub-Saharan Africa and puts them up in luxury hotels at the British taxpayers' expense whilst we're not even allowed to go to work or see our families. I would have voted for Jeremy Corbyn yeah. if I'd have wanted that. That wasn't what Boris Johnson stood on the platform of, and yet this is what we're seeing implemented. I, know. I think that the globalist Marxist elite were not expecting neither the referendum win of the UK leaving the European Union and they were not expecting Trump to win that presidential election and I think since then they have been in meltdown and trying to accelerate their plans uh, of global control because they can see that there are signs of resistance starting to bubble Uh, and they didn't like that because their powers might get taken away and their plans might have a spanner thrown in the work by the UK once again. And now we're seeing the stolen election in the United States. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it will become clear a few few weeks or months down the road because the election's not actually even been called yet. Um, and I think that is going to play a big part into what happens with Brexit because if Joe Biden does become president, well, then Brexit's going down the pan. But I think Boris will sell us out anyway, and they're going to use Ireland as a means to be able to do so. That's how they've kept this argument open for so long, that it will cause conflict again in Ireland. They've always used Ireland, and it's such a rubbish argument. The EU used Ireland to try and keep the UK in, and now that 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 didn't work, if Joe Biden gets in, he will definitely use that. And it's bullshit terms, because there was no... Like, people who don't understand... Ireland and, and Northern Ireland were separated since 1922. There was no border. This whole thing about border being... There was no border. There was no border until 1969. And that was because of bombing campaign, not because they needed a border. There was never anything to do with passports. So all this is a lot of people getting involved who just really want to keep England in the EU. Nothing to do with Ireland, but they will use Ireland as an excuse. And really... You see, I haven't been very aware of the interference of, let's say, uh, American interests within Ireland. 
uh, and what role they've, they've played in, in the recent events with Ireland. I mean, I'm qu- pretty sure that Ireland voted to no longer have the euro currency and were forced to vote again. Um, it doesn't seem like Ireland's got very much of its sovereignty left. It we don't. It seems to be being foreign powers. Absolutely. We were completely taken over. Um, our last one, it wasn't to do with the currency. We said no to joining. We were part of the EEC, which was we joined on the back of your trail because we needed to do trade with the United Kingdom because Ireland and the United Kingdom, because I suppose they, there's so much of history there and there's so much trail of United Kingdom, we're able to get in. We wanted to stay in the EEC. Now, we were the, one of the only countries who were asked, do you want to join the EU? Your country, for some reason wasn't because it wasn't in your constitution that they had to ask you but it wasn't ours because of the way our country was set up so they had to ask us did we want to join the eu so the first one i think was called the nice treaty and ireland said no so we were made vote again and then they said it was too close to call so they'd leave it for a few years so then they called it the Nice Treaty, which was pretty much the same treaty joined to join the EU. And the Irish said, no, we'll, we'll, we don't want to be a part of this because there's so many reasons, our neutrality, our money, um, our religion, the abortion. There's so many things that we just don't want to get involved in. And we don't want to get involved in a war in Europe. So then um, the Nice was, we voted no for Nice again. So we were made vote again. So we were made vote, like, and basically... There, there's been even footage of where they rigged that vote, um, where they changed it. And since then, they realised that the, Ireland had a very different mindset from Europe. So they had to really get into the education system. So our education system was very much infiltrated with this left wing thinking. So you from very much from because of the Nice and Lisbon Treaty, they had to kind of infiltrate it. May I ask in... The Irish primary schools, are they teaching children sex education in a way of, you know, in Britain we've got a problem now where they're teaching children at quite young ages. Things like, well, masturbation, yeah, yeah. But like masturbation for children. It's it's sexualising children. Children, I mean, no parents are are going to put up with this, but it appears that people are somehow and they think this is okay. It was the same in Ireland because, uh, you know, uh, you've got stronger religious, I would say, opinions. So I, I wondered whether there'd been more kickback against the LGBTQ sexual teachings in primary school. Unfortunately, there hasn't been as much kickback as you'd think. So, um, no, there hasn't been. And yes, they have infiltrated Irish schools. Well, everything to do with the EU, where, you know, the church was all paedophiles and... This is their kind of image. The left kind of go, oh, you know, everything was backwards Ireland and this forward way of thinking where we embrace everybody with the LGB and we teach children about their 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 body parts and this is fabulous. And it's been very much sold, unfortunately. And you have no choice. And basically what they said is if they don't like it, we will bring it in in different ways. So you can be teaching maths, maths or anything and they'll put this LGB bullshit into even a maths class. So it doesn't even have to be one of the classes where it's obviously going to be pushed down their throat. So yeah, it is very much in Ireland, unfortunately. 
You know, this is something that I've experienced. And as much as I was expecting to be inundated with lefty indoctrination and propaganda when embarking on a university degree, uh, I decided to do an online degree because I didn't want to have to engage with students on campus and have to deal with the very aggressive left-wing agenda that, that they enforce upon everybody. Um, so anyway, I was on my course and I've... And I knew that there was going to be a certain amount of, of, of leftist ideology, but I'm studying law. And actually in the course materials, you find that there is left-wing propaganda in the actual course materials that you have to read as part of your course, even if it isn't really relevant. I mean, yesterday I was reading part um, and we were discussing the British Constitution. And it was talking about a J.O. Laws, a justice um, laws, and he was discussing a case where constitutional principles and statutes were compared to ordinary statutes. And Magna Carta got brought up, and in their own descriptions, they were saying that Magna Carta is too Anglo-centric, or is very Anglo-centric, and so is the Bill of Rights. Oh, and the European Communities Act of 1972 is constitutional, can't be appealed, amended, or changed in any manner. And I'm like, my goodness. And uh, it's, it, I'm like, they are Anglophobic. I mean, what, what were they expecting? We're studying British law. Of course it's going to be Anglo-centric. It's British common law. I mean, that's how insane it is. Um, and when it's offering opinions on things like morality and law, it's only offering Karl Marx's opinion. Yeah. You know, I have 18th century, 19th century, Karl Marx's opinion. You know, the Marxist opinion, what socialism believes. It's dropped social justice in there a few times. And I'm like, well, why, why is this political narrative being um, propagated within, within my course materials? You know, it's obviously to brainwash students into a certain way of thinking. I mean, I actually decided yesterday that I'm going to go back through all of the course materials. I'm going to highlight every bit of cultural Marxist subversion within it. And then I'm going to send it to the tutors saying, why is this necessary? Because I'm not having it. I will challenge every area of leftism that is being enforced upon us through our education systems. I have already, as we've uh, spoken about earlier, maybe taking action for discriminatory behaviour against um, white students, which seems to be something that many of our educational establishments seem to think is okay, completely ignoring the Equalities Act of 2010. <sighs> but they are opening themselves up for, you know, civil action when they do so, so I suppose they can be taught a lesson. But I wouldn't find it surprising if Keir Starmer, um, who has already said that he would like to change the Equalities Act to make it legal for him to directly discriminate against white citizens from standing for office within his party for having black and ethnic minority only shortlist. And we see this exclusion uh, being, you know, carried out in all areas now. We have employment opportunities. Did you see that Sadiq Khan has now said that he is demanding, in fact, that they have to hire at least 40% of the new recruits have to come from black and ethnic minority only oh backgrounds. You see, and they can get away with this because they put in an exemption to say if there is a disparity between the ethnicities in their employment um, and they want to rectify that, they can then um, use discriminatory policies for a short amount of time to rectify that. But there seems to be this really odd and absurd view that, you know, there being a majority of white people anywhere in Britain is a sign of white supremacy. 
forgetting that we are the native indigenous population and up until the last few decades were the majority population throughout the entire of our country. I mean, you've got Rishi putting out coins, 50p coins saying diversity built Britain. Diversity didn't build Britain. Great Britain was built by its native English, Irish, Scottish and Welsh peoples, our families spanning back generations that settled this land, they toiled the soil, they fought wars, they built monuments, they built social constructs, we built governments and we fought for the rights and privileges that we have today that had nothing to do with the immigrant population or diversity. And yet we're told diversity is a great thing. Let's celebrate diversity every time that there is a massive drop in the white population. Oh, isn't it fantastic that this area of London is now only 16% white? Diversity is basically a code word for white genocide. Because it's nothing to do with being inclusive. It is about decimating the native peoples of these lands. And it's all peoples of white European descent, because it's not just Britain. We have it on the continent, we have it in in America, and we have it in, in... in New Zealand, and we have it in Australia. And it is a concentrated effort to destroy our history, heritage, culture, and eventually wipe our peoples out. And I I just don't understand why people would celebrate that. I mean, what, what could be more racist than celebrating making an entire race of people a vulnerable, persecuted minority in their homelands? There isn't anything more racist than that. It is genocide. They are purposely bringing about the conditions of life that would bring about our destruction in part or whole as our own ethnic, national, racial and religious groups, which under the current conventions is defined as genocide. That is point D of the definition of genocide in our current international conventions. So I just don't get why people, when I say it is white genocide, try and say to me that I'm a conspiracy theorist. You know, it's there in black and white. Lady, a black African who goes to the UN, who speaks on behalf of the Irish people and says Ireland has always been diverse. It's like, uh, not even when I was growing up, Ireland was diverse. It was the least diverse place, so-called diverse. It only had indigenous Irish because it was a poor country. It's only since we joined the EU, this diversity is being, and it's some areas, there is more um, Africans in certain areas in Dublin than there is Irish. So that means that they're, and they're being put forward in housing, put forward first for housing, for education, for everything. So if you have an Irish child and you have an African child, the African child will be given the school place first. The African family will be given the home first. It's absolutely huge discrimination towards the Irish people. And this is, is by the Irish government. It is, it is systemic racism. I mean, I would like to be able to discuss the topic of racial identity, British identity, because we have these people that come to our countries, right? And they call themselves Black British, British born Chinese, Pakistani British. So they always um, they they always affiliate themselves with the cultural and identity association of their homelands, of their peoples, of their racial group. Yeah. But if white people do the same, they're demonized for it. Okay. However, they also get to assume our identity as British, even though they are not ethnically, racially, religiously, or otherwise British. They're not British. That is my definitive point on this. And we have them not only coming over here and, and stealing our country, but actually assuming our identity yeah. and trying to claim that 
our country, our history, our heritage is actually theirs and has always been diverse. We even have, you know, Black Lives Matter trying to write black people into our history, making monarchs black. No, no, that queen was black now. You know, Anne Boleyn, she's got to be black. I even saw one where they had a black Snow White. I mean, it's quoted as skin as white as snow. But of course, now she's got to be black, otherwise it's not diverse enough. I mean, it has got to a point of being ridiculous. But really has. you have the, the, uh, the Duke and Duchess of Wokeness, Harry and Meghan, oh, that like to talk about systemic racism. And systemic racism has been a topic that's been brought up quite a lot in 2020. However, there is no evidence in, in England, in Ireland, in Wales, in Scotland of systemic racism against black and ethnic minorities. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Yeah. We've got in employment, let's say, We've got equal opportunities quotas that directly discriminate against white citizens. We've got university placements. We've got charities that are only open to black and ethnic minorities, excluding white citizens. We are subjected to a barrage of anti-white propaganda by our TV, our media, the films that are produced by Hollywood on a daily basis. We have children that are discriminated against in schools. We now have the white working class particularly the male white working class, are the lowest group of people attending university because they're not welcome. You know, they're not welcome and they're not given any assistance. If you look at the suicide rates, it's white, middle-aged, working class men are the biggest demographic by far of people killing themselves out of despair. And that is due to the systemic racism against them. When they go for a job, they're put last. If they fall on hard times and they need housing assistance, they're put last. I see homeless people out on the streets every time I go into Manchester, and there's thousands of them, and every single one of them is white and British. And yet we have sub-Saharan Africans and Middle Eastern hostile men coming over here with their iPhones being ferried in by French dinghies, and then our Navy and Border Force go pick them up halfway across the channel ferry them into England, put them on coaches, take them to four or five-star hotels. 13-year-old girl was gang-raped in one of those hotels. An 11-year-old girl in Wales was attacked by another migrant. An elderly man was given a bleed on the brain because he protested and the migrants attacked him. And the worst part about this is the media won't even report on it. They say if he's coloured in Ireland, I don't know about the UK, or if he, he's... Muslim or whatever they'll give the name of they'll say he had a white top on or he had a black top on but if he's Irish they'll say oh "Oh, an Irish male but if he's anything else and it's becoming so obvious now to read the paper he was obviously non-Irish a man with a black top oh that's great that's very helpful we'll easily identify him then if you're Irish you can't really call yourself Irish because that doesn't mean anything that's like you're Irish what what is that it's not pure Celts you've been mixed with um, British you've been mixed with Vikings you've been mixed with Normans so that's not a pure race but if you're non-Irish if you truly have no heritage yeah exactly but this is one of the purest races on the planet (laughs) I mean more so than the British I mean the English are are more Germanic in our haplotype and haplogroup but the Irish and the Scottish did actually remain um, reasonably free. They were invaded, but not to the extent that England has done. And their uh, haplotypes and haplogroup demographics have hardly changed Absolutely. until recently with this mass influx of people, people. from sub-Saharan Africa and the Middle East. People that have arrived don't have a right to call themselves Irish. 
they're not Irish. Africans living in Ireland. That's exactly. If I was yeah. to move to China, if I was to move to China uh, and live there for a decade, it wouldn't make me Chinese. If I was to go there with an English husband and have a child whilst living in China, just because my child is born in China doesn't make it Chinese. It was born to two British parents, and the Chinese would not recognise it as such. And it's nor only Europe yeah. where we seem to have this strange identity politics that has been in, 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 you know, infested into people's minds. Where we have it more recently with, you know, anybody can identify with whatever gender they feel like, whatever day they wake up, because they can be gender fluid, <laughs> and we've got to accept that delusion as fact. Otherwise, we're being discriminatory. So we're going along with people's psychotic delusions rather than dealing with their mental health issues. But I see it as the same thing when people say, well, no, you, you know, these, these people that are from Pakistan or from Africa or from these other countries that have come here, if they want to identify as British, we must accept them as such. Well, no, I don't. I don't. And I think that it's ridiculous that anybody else does. You can't just identify as something and we have to accept it. You know, if you're born a black man, then you are a black African man. And that's what your identity is. You can't just suddenly say, well, actually, I'm a white woman and I'm British. <laughs> because you're clearly not. That's not scientifically correct. And I'm sick of living in worlds where fact is overridden by people's feelings. Because then we're living in a, a state of nonsense and insanity. And that's what we're living in. And that's what the left is. It is nonsense and insanity. But you, I see left-wing ideology as a mental illness. It completely is. But you know, the worst thing is, if a black person like says where they're really from, if they say, and it's because it's different in, in Ireland and the United Kingdom, they haven't come here as slaves. It's not like America where they have a history where they are actually black Americans. UK yeah, Everybody but, who's come to the UK or Ireland have come here for a better life at the expense of the native population. None of them have been brought here forcibly and none of them have left because the conditions of life here are markedly better than in their own homelands. Absolutely. Because, to put it quite frankly, the white British population and their culture has built one of the most fair, equal and prosperous societies ever on the face of the earth. Something that they have been allowed to take advantage of despite having very little to do with building it. And yet they want to turn around and then throw it in our faces. It's taking our kindness for weakness and biting the hand that feeds them. Even them, it's more the left wing. You find even if uh, an African person says, no, I'm from Botswana in Ireland, they, the left wing will get annoyed. Oh, but you're Irish now. And they go, no, 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 I'm Botswana. I have my Botswana heritage. I, this is where I'm at. Then the left wing get kind of even angry at them. But then what are you doing here? They want every black person who breeds in this country to call themselves Irish. They want it. Muslim person refuses to say that. The Irish want them to say Muslim Irish. And if they don't say that, get fairly annoyed with them and say, well, well why don't you go back if you're not Irish? It's like, they can't just become Irish. Oh, okay, so it's not just our identity, but they're trying to dissolve the identity of the immigrant population as well. Yeah, absolutely. But what we don't understand is that whatever is the most aggressive and dominant will end up being the main identity of that population. That's just how humanity works. You've never ever once in human existence had two opposing ways of life that at their core are ideologically opposed, living side by side peacefully. Eventually one dominates the other. That is what always happens. But I do think that as much as I talk about, you know, the white indigenous population, 
it is a global problem that we are facing. And I think that all peoples, regardless of race, religion, nationality, have a right to celebrate their culture, their history, their heritage, and have a right to the homelands and the assets of it. Absolutely, 100%. With the identity, they will want to dissolve the religious, national, and ethnic identities of all peoples. Once they've destroyed the free white Western world with immigration, which isn't benefiting the actual immigrants overall, because in their own homelands, they are also being robbed blind and having their sovereignty dissolved under the Belt and Road Initiative, which is a UN agenda where they're using China as their industrial arm that has gone into, let's say, African nations. Actually, over 75% of the world is not just Africa, it's pretty much everywhere. And they've been building infrastructure, which goes along with the digital Silk Road, but also physical infrastructure like roads, bridges, railway systems, you know, uh, and then they're stripping those countries of their national assets, oils, minerals, even taking sovereign territory, because these nations, particularly Africa, are stuck in memoranda of understanding, in debt that they can't pay back. And that gives China all these votes in the UN, which, to be honest, is, uh, is the public face of the new world order, as people call it. That is what the UN is. And they use China, and have been using China since 2013, to basically destroy and take what is from nation states to implement this global structure. So as much as we talk about immigration being a problem for us, it is also a problem for all other peoples as well. Globalism isn't anybody's friend. If they, if they appreciate their own history, heritage and culture and they'd like to retain any of their freedoms and rights, we all have the same enemy. And I think that's something that everybody needs to wake up and realise is that Truly, it is 1% of the world that is causing all of our misery, all of our misery and turning us all against each other. And I think once we decide that we're not going to stand for that anymore, it will become a lot easier to succeed because we won't be fighting amongst ourselves. And I think once we regain... Thank you so much for coming on. and It is. Um, it is a crazy time. It's been a pleasure being on. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, I'll look forward to speaking with you guys again. Thank you so much. Look forward to your programme next week. Thank you so much. Penny Lane, there is a barber showing photographs Of every head he's had the pleasure to know
shaves another customer We see the banker sitting waiting for a train Penny Lane, there is a barber showing photographs Of every head he's had the pleasure to know And all the people that come and go Stop and say hello On the corner is a banker with a motor car The little children having him behind his back Of the Queen, he likes to keep his fire engine. 